Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, President of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We want to thank you for listening to this chapel message. Our mission at Southeastern is to seek to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. We hope that you enjoy this chapel message and that you will visit our website. It's www.scbts.edu. There you can learn more about our school and what the Lord is doing here. We hope you enjoyed the message. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing here. Well, it is my joy to extend my greetings to all of you today as we gather to celebrate the graduation of these men and women who have uh, worked so very hard now for a number of years here. Uh, I can tell you that I have grown to love and appreciate them very much, and uh, along with this faculty, uh, very excited about what uh, we believe God is going to do in them and through them in the days ahead as many of them uh, go to new uh, fields of service, some of them uh, far away places around the world, others to uh, underserved areas in North America, others to churches that need to be revitalized. But all of them I know uh, with a passion to see men and women come to faith in Jesus Christ and then become devoted followers of His. This morning it is my uh, wonderful assignment to give a charge to these graduates, but also in the process to bring a challenge to all of you as well. And so this morning I want to take just a few moments and speak from a single verse that I would call, along with many others, the greatest verse in the Bible. Now it's a dangerous thing to say that a particular verse is the greatest verse. After all, I think all of you would agree all the verses are great. Uh, they're all wonderful, they're all meaningful, they're all given by inspiration of God. And yet there is one verse in particular that perhaps is as much loved as any verse in the Bible. It's only 25 words, and I think the reason we love this verse so much is that it entails a love story. But, but not just any love story, it entails the greatest love story, a divine love story. It is a text that uh, the great Martin Luther, the reformer, called the gospel in miniature. And the verse, of course, is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This verse teaches us that there was a particular moment and a specific time in history when God wrote in red blood, I love you. And it is because of that verse that these students who are here today are here because they embraced that verse as their own when they trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior. But it is also that same verse that will motivate them and inspire them to take the gospel to the ends of the earth that others might also know of the amazing love of God. And so what I want to do this morning is just very quickly walk you through each of those phrases and point out just a, a, an insight that we might gain from each that helps us understand the magnitude of this great divine love story. The verse begins, for God. It reveals to us the greatest provider and the greatest lover. You see, John 3.16 begins where the Bible begins with God. God is there. God exists. God is real. As Francis Schaeffer wonderfully said, he is there and he is not silent. We worship a talking God who has revealed himself to us preeminently in Jesus Christ, but also has revealed himself to us in his word. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 likewise begins with God. God demonstrates his own love toward us 
And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so the one who loves you and me today is not just anyone. Uh, it is the God of the universe. Think about that. All of the people, 6.8 billion dot this planet, and yet God loves every single one of us here in this room today in a very specific kind of a way. He knows you inside out. He knows your name. He knows your past. He knows your present. He knows your future. It is this great creator God who is omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent, who is holy and just and immutable, who is the sovereign Lord of the universe. And this wonderful God acted on your behalf and on mine, doing for us what we can never do for ourselves. No, for God tells us that salvation comes from the greatest provider and the greatest lover. For God so loved, that reveals the greatest passion and the greatest degree. That little word, so, means to such a degree or maybe better in such a manner. It speaks of a particular way of loving. And because it is God who so loved, it's important for us to know today that that love is infinite. And the manner of that love is glorious. Yes, the word so is very little in terms of the number of letters that are needed to produce it, but its meaning is so very big. God so loved. The word love is an action word. It's not an abstract idea. Uh, unlike what many of us think today in our culture, love is not a, an emotion. It's not a warm and fuzzy feeling. It is an action word. It is a decision, an act of your will. It's an act of your will whereby you seek the best in another person's life, even if it costs you something in return. The word love, as defined in the Bible, is never really interested in what it can get. No, that word is always interested in what it can give. First John chapter 4 and verse 10 provides a wonderful insight here. In this is love, not that we love God but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the satisfaction for our sins. And what is our proper response, my brothers and sisters, to this? John gets that right in chapter 4, verse 19, where he writes, We love Him because He first loved us. You need to understand this morning that these men and women who are here, uh, who will indeed go where God has assigned them, are here and will go because they have been captured by the amazing love of God on their behalf. And because God has loved us, we gladly love Him and serve Him in return. So love reveals the greatest passion and the greatest degree. For God so loved the world. This reveals the greatest possibility and the greatest number. In this phrase, God so loved the world, we see the bigness of God's heart and the scope of God's love. God loves the world. God loves every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. He loves every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation. Red people, brown people, white people, black people, yellow people. There is no exception. God loves them all. This morning I got up and walked over to the Great Commission Center to look at the IMB world clock and then I went back to my office and at 9.30 I pulled up the Joshua Project just to be reminded once more of what is out there that God has called you and me to reach. As of 9.30 this morning, 
The world population, 6,810,842,675. The number of people on planet Earth will increase today by more than 90,000. Total number of people groups. Uh, if you're not familiar with that phrase, a people group is simply a group that has their own language, their own identity, their own culture. Uh, we often think in terms of boundaries of nations, but this goes far beyond that. And this identifies all of the people who have their own particular individuality. Well, as of this morning, 6,598 different people groups around the world. But now the question that <clears throat> continually haunts me, and I hope that it haunts every one of you till the day you go to be with the Lord Jesus. Little or no access to the gospel, 3,576,408,548. Unreached people groups, that is, they have no access to the gospel at all. They've never even heard the name of Jesus. 6,918, the total equals 1.6 billion people, almost one-fourth of the world's population, never hearing the name of the God who loves them and who sent His Son to die for them. Today, if you keep up and receive the update from the Joshua Project, today we're praying for the Turks of Turkey. Population, 52,739,000. Evangelical believers, 0, 0.00. 52,000,000. No believers. And yet, if the Bible is true, and I know that we all believe that it is, the Lord Jesus loves every single one of them. And He longed to see every single one of them, as He longs to see everyone here today, to come to Him in faith and in trust. This phrase explains why some of these students will go to the very hard places. This verse explains why a couple of years ago a young lady walked across this stage to receive her diploma who had been involved in our 2 plus 2 program serving in the country of Sudan. She lived out in the bush area with no running water, no electricity, and she lived in a dung hut, which, yes, it is made out of exactly what I just said. This young lady graduated, and after she had walked across the aisle, I saw her later, and I said, well, what are you going to do now? And she quickly said, I'm going back. I'm going back. Now, I cannot tell you how many times I've talked to students that have come here that have that same kind of heart and that same kind of passion for those who Jesus longs to see come to him. I'm still haunted on a regular basis by the words that moved a man by the name of James Frazier, an accomplished concert pianist, a honor student in engineering, had his career mapped out for him in London, and yet given a little booklet entitled, Do Not Say, he read it, and walked away from that illustrious 
profitable career to spend the rest of his life in the Himalaya mountains among the Lisu people group. Seven years before he had a single convert. Today, more than 400,000 Lisu believers because of the ministry of a man named James Frazier. You say, what in the world did he read? Listen very carefully. A command has been given. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It has not been obeyed. More than half the people in the world have never yet heard the gospel. What are we to say to this? Surely it concerns us Christians very seriously, for we are the people who are responsible. If our master returned today to find millions of people unevangelized and looked as, of course, he would look to us for an explanation... I cannot imagine what explanation we should have to give of one thing I'm certain. Most of the excuses we are accustomed to make now with such a good conscience, we will be wholly ashamed of then. No, Christ died for the world. And if it happens that you die without Christ, please understand that you will spend eternity in hell knowing and haunted by the truth. Jesus loves you, and Jesus died for you. The world reveals the greatest possibility and number. For God so loved the world that he gave. That reveals the greatest proof and the greatest act. You know, love is a beautiful four-letter word. And sometimes it's best spelled G-I-V-E, or in this instance, G-A-V-E, God gave. He did not loan Uh, He did not pass on for a brief time. He gave, and he keeps on giving, and he gave, and he proved his love for sinners by sending his Son. For God so loved the world that he gave. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what Easter is all about. And never should we separate in our hearts and minds Christmas from, from Easter Never should we separate that uh, precious baby in a manger from a bloody man hanging on a cross. For God so loved the world that he gave. C.T. Studd, the great preacher, said it this way, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Yes, that he gave reveals the greatest proof and the greatest act. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That reveals the greatest present and the greatest gift. I've read those words a thousand times in my 53 years on this planet, and yet I still remained astonished, blown away, that God, for a sinner like Danny Aiken, would give his only begotten son that phrase only begotten means unique one of a kind it has ringing in our ears in the background the story of abraham and isaac where the lord said to to abraham take your son isaac your only son the son that you love and it is that background that informs our understanding of the greatness of god's gift when he gives to us His son, think about this for just a moment. God is the only father who brought a son into the world with the expressed intent and purpose for him to die. Think about that. God has blessed my wife, Shaw, and me with four sons. We did not bring them into the world to die. 
But God brought Jesus into this world to die. To die for sinners like you and like me. And Paul tries to grasp something of the magnitude of what God did in Romans 8.32 where he says, He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him, with Jesus, also freely give us all things? When God gave his son, he gave his best. And when God gave his son, he gave his best to die. His only begotten son reveals the greatest present and the greatest gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever... This reveals the greatest privilege and the greatest invitation. It's a wonderful word, whosoever. That word makes it very clear that God's invitation to salvation is wide open and it's available to every single person. If you happen to be here today and for whatever reason, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, please understand, He loves you. He died for you, and He extends His arms wide open today and says, Come to me, and I will receive you. You see, all sinners are the object of God's love, and all are the recipients of His glorious invitation. That's why we go. That's why we preach. That's why we serve. That's why we are willing to put our lives on the line. All sinners, all degrees of sinners... All kinds of sinners. There, there's no uh, racial or social exclusion. No economic or geographical limits. No gender or relational exceptions. You say, how do I know that if I come to Him today in repentance and faith, He will receive me? Listen to the words of Jesus in John 6, 37. The one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. You need another verse to reinforce that one? Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Bible says, whosoever, that whosoever includes me, and that whosoever includes you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes, that reveals both the greatest path and the greatest simplicity, believing, faith, trust, the only necessary link that connects your life to the saving and rescuing love and power God found in Jesus Christ. You see, God's love is sufficient to save the world, but efficient only to save those who believe. You see, it really is quite simple. The, the world is divided into two categories from God's perspective. Those who have His Son and those who don't. Those who have trusted Jesus and those who haven't. Those who have forgiveness and those who don't. Those who will spend <clears throat> eternity with Him and those who tragically will not. You say, all I have to do is trust Him. All I have to do... All you have to do is trust Him. You say, I don't have to be baptized. You don't have to be baptized. I don't have to join a church. You don't have to join a church. don't have to pay my taxes. You don't have to pay your taxes. You should, but you don't have to. You say, I don't know anything in the world like that. There isn't anything in the world like that. That's what separates Christianity from every other religion in the world. Every other religion, there is a work you must do in order to be rightly related to a God or to the God. When Christianity 
You understand? Not by work which I've done, but according to his mercy, he has saved me. And so all you do is extend an open hand, and in response, God gives you that wonderful, precious gift. When I was about nine or ten years old, I came home one evening from church, have no memory at all about what the preacher preached about. But I had a weight on the inside of me unlike anything I had ever experienced up until that time and really even to this day. And my mother, who was probably the godliest person I ever knew, looked at me and she knew her son was troubled by something. And she said, sweetheart, what's wrong? All I said to my mother was, mama, I know that I am a sinner. And I also know that Jesus loves me and that he died for me. And I want him to come into my heart. And as a nine, ten-year-old little boy, he saved me. He forgave me of all of my sins. And even though as a teenager I turned my back on him, in his amazing grace, goodness, kindness, and love, he's never turned his back on me. You see, there's a wonderful promise in Hebrews that says, I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. Believes it's such a simple, easy path. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him. That reveals the greatest person and the greatest power in him. Refers, of course, to God's son. It refers to Jesus. It, again, emphasizes the the greatness and the awesomeness of the love the Father has for this world and for sinners like you and me. You see, when God gave Jesus, He gave His most precious treasure. He gave His Son. What a truth worthy of a real and meaningful Christmas celebration. It was a costly gift. It was a bloody gift. It was a rugged and painful gift, but it is a powerful, powerful gift. You see, in Jesus, everything changes. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. If any man, if any woman, if anybody be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, everything becomes new. Jesus is the hero of the Bible. And Jesus wants to be the Savior of your soul. It really is, as Tim Keller so well says, as Rick Warren so well says, it really is all about Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. That reveals the greatest promise and the greatest deliverance. You say, Danny, what does that phrase to perish mean? It means to die spiritually. It means to die and go into eternity separated from God and His love and His grace. Yes, it does mean that you will die and go to a tragic, horrible place called hell. You say, Danny, why would God send anybody to hell? God doesn't send people to hell. People go to hell of their own choosing and their own will. In fact, they have to walk over. If you die and go to hell, you will go to hell walking over a bloody cross that was intended to save you and redeem you from all of your sins. Again, I'm haunted by the statement, but also blessed by it. God at Calvary killed his son so he would not have to kill you or kill me. That's how great is the love of God for people like you and people like me. 
I like what John Piper, the pastor in Minnesota, says of this phrase. God loved us enough to give his own son to rescue us from this perishing. But a question, why is sin so serious as to deserve perishing? The answer is that God is the most worthy person in the universe. His greatness and His value are infinite. All things are measured by Him. He is the beginning and the ending of all things. Every person depends on Him for everything. We owe Him then perfect trust and allegiance and love and worship and honor and respect and obedience because He made us and owns us and sustains us. Therefore, rejecting Him and distrusting Him and disobeying Him and neglecting Him and enjoying other things more than Him, all these things are infinite insults because He is an infinite treasure and an infinite insult or a life of infinite insults. It does indeed deserve infinite punishment. You see, the more you dwell on that, the more precious John 3.16 becomes. God loved us enough to give His own Son to rescue us from this perishing. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have. That reveals the greatest peace and the greatest certainty. You see, God's gift of eternal life is something you can receive today. A lot of people think eternal life is looking to the future. No, no, no. Eternal life is both a quality of life as well as a quantity of life. And the fact is, it can become yours this very moment and by God's amazing grace, this gift of His Son, this gift of salvation can never, ever, ever be taken away. You say, how do you know that? Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 28 and 29, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So when you receive the gift of eternal life, it is a gift that you will never, ever, ever have to worry about losing under any kind of circumstances so we come to the end for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life everlasting life is a quality of life and a quantity of life it is a life that is never ending the the best way to say it is this everlasting life is a God kind of life everlasting life is a Jesus quality kind of life. Jesus again said in John chapter 10 and verse 10, the thief, that is the devil, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I'd come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And so God's design for the world is that they would believe and be saved from their sins, that they would believe and have eternal life and avoid this perishing. That's why you have come here to be trained. And that is now why you go out to minister where God sends you. To be messengers and rescuers. To be those who deliver people headed for a devil's hell. And in a sparkling moment, in the twinkling of an eye, their eternal destiny is changed. Because they turn from their sin to a Savior who loves them, who died for them, who if they will simply receive as a free gift will enjoy the same eternal promise, 
that all of us enjoy as those who know Jesus. Please never lose that message. Please never lose the simplicity of the gospel. It is not complicated. It is very clear. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Make sure you keep it that simple and that clear. God will bless it. God will honor it. And there will be people in heaven who will give you a big hug, thanking you that you were the one used by Jesus to bring them into his kingdom. But now as I close this part of our service, let me say to all of you, the next few minutes are very significant and monumental. For some of you, it's probably not what you expected. You see, yesterday as I prayed and uh, talked with these students, I asked them, how many of you tomorrow will have family and friends here that you know are lost? That is, they've never been saved. They've never trusted Christ as their Savior. And I guess at least half of them raised their hand. I then asked them this. If you knew tomorrow that leaving your diploma sitting on that table right there, not taking it home, not putting it on a wall, The payback would be that your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your friend, today in this graduation service would trust Christ as their Savior. How many of you would be willing to leave that diploma sitting there on that table? And every single one of them said without hesitation, oh, I'd gladly leave it there. Because you see, they love you. They want you to be saved. They want to spend eternity in a place called heaven, and they want you to be there with them. And hear me very carefully now. Hear me very carefully. I don't think that any of you are here today by accident. I believe a sovereign God and His providence brought you here today. And if you leave today without Christ, and if you die without Christ, you'll have no excuse. You will stand before God, and God will perhaps say many things, but one thing I know He will say is this. On December the 17th, 2010, you heard my servant, Danny Aiken, at graduation do his best to explain John 3.16. He told you very clearly of my love. He told you very clearly of my son, Jesus. He told you very clearly that all you have to do is turn from your sin and trust in me, and I will save you. And so you really have no excuse. You heard. I made sure you were there that day that you might hear, and that you might believe, and that you might be saved. So I want us to bow our heads for just a moment, and I ask you, if you would, to please close your eyes. If today... You sense God speaking to your heart. You're being stirred on the inside like I was as a 10-year-old boy. And you would say to God right now in the privacy of your heart, You know, Lord, this is not what I expected today. But I sense in a brand new way your love for me. I also recognize in a brand new way today the magnitude of my sin. And I want to 
trust you. I want to put my faith in you. I want to believe on you today as my Savior. If that is the desire of your heart, here's what I'm going to do. Billy Graham has done this thousands of times, and there are millions of people that will be in heaven because they prayed from their heart a simple prayer like this. If that's where you are today, then pray this prayer with me right now. Dear God, I thank you that you love me. And I thank you that you proved it by sending your son Jesus into this world. I thank you that he lived a sinless life and that he died on the cross to pay in full the penalty of my sin. I recognize today that I am a sinner and I need to be saved. And so I turn from my sin this day. I put all of my faith and trust in Jesus. I will trust Him and Him only to forgive me of my sins, to make me a brand new creature, and to take me to heaven when I die. And Lord, I thank You that that wonderful Christmas gift of Your Son has now given to me the wonderful gift of eternal life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus. I gladly claim you, my Lord, my Savior, and my King. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this chapel message from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you are thinking about theological education on the undergraduate or graduate level, including doctoral studies, we hope that you consider us. If you also find these chapel messages encouraging and a blessing to your walk with Christ, we hope that you will consider financially supporting Southeastern. Our graduates are literally serving the kingdom across this globe, working to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Your gifts will help to train more, and they will serve as a worthwhile investment in God's kingdom. You can find more information about attending Southeastern or supporting us financially at www.sebts.edu. We cover your prayers and trust that God will bless every good work you do for His glory. Thank you for joining us in our chapel services.